0: This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good
1: afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the show. Well, you know, it's been an interesting last few weeks with the weather, you know, like cooling off, you know, frigid temperatures a couple of weeks ago. And the real question is, is where is the real estate market going? Shouldn't it be heating up for the spring or did it ever cool off? Well, you know, with the numbers that have been released recently, the incredible thing that we have seen is that the month of January actually had increased by 10% year over year as far as dollar value and sales continue on. So are we going to see this trend continue through the spring? Well, right now, as far as it looks, it looks like we are going to continue a very strong marketplace in a couple of segments of the areas in, let's say, Toronto, of course, and Vancouver. Where the rest of Canada, there's a few areas that have cooled off. And of course, we know Alberta is the one that is struggling the most, and we are seeing the numbers start to come off as far as values. But more importantly, it's actually the volume of sales. So when we look at a marketplace, again, keep in mind, there is the sale price and the number of homes that sell. And when we take a look at these numbers, they can vary. If we don't sell a lot of properties, but prices go through the roof, we say that, you know, it's a really good market because prices are high. But if we're not turning the volume over, then dollar for dollar, we could be down from the year before. But when we turn around and we completely freeze out as far as looking at Alberta and some of the other uh, cities out in the West there... When we start seeing these things happen, then we have to think to ourselves, okay, fine. If the market's starting to cool off, meaning the number of units aren't selling, what happens to price? Normally get a little bit more downward pressure because the people that have to sell will bring down their price. And this is one of those things that we're going to keep watching throughout the year right here at Simply Real Estate on News Talk 1010. So what else do we have to talk about today? All sorts of things. Later in the hour, I'm going to have Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage join us, and we're going to be talking about uh, some of the things that are going on in the mortgage market. When you get these special deals, are they really that special? And in a few minutes, I'm actually going to have president-elect of the Ontario Real Estate Board, Ray Ferris, join me, and we're going to be talking about let's say cottage country vacation properties and who is what realtor should you be using but before before we go down that road i'm going to talk to you about a personal experience that just happened to myself as you know the simple investor and for us, we work a lot with investment properties. And for those of you that are investors with us or that tune into the show on a regular basis, you know, I'm always talking about low-rise construction and buildings and different things that we do. And I have to tell you, I'm, I'm going to share my experience with you because uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were taking a look at a portfolio of properties. So three buildings. And believe it or not, when you have almost 300 units for sale, you can have competing offers. And when you put forth your offer, it's a closed bid. So they tell you a date to time, as a lot of people do in residential real estate. And you deliver your bid via your lawyer, and then they decide who is the best bid. And can you believe it? There were six companies going after a portfolio of almost 300 suites and, yep, you got it. I did not win. Not even close. In fact, you know, when you take a look at it out of six bids, you don't think that's a lot of competition in comparison to the residential homes that can have 50, 60, 70 bids on them. But when we're talking in the big the big playground of a lot of these apartment owners, uh, sure enough, you can lose. And yes, I did. Now, I'm not going to give you prices or locations, but, you know, it hurts just as much uh, as it does when you lose that that perfect home. Well, when I took a look at these buildings, I went, "Wow, these would be perfect for our investors." And uh, sure enough, you know what? Unfortunately, we didn't get them. But for those of you that are our investors, don't worry. We've got uh, we've got a few things in the works, and we're going to have some new releases coming up in the spring. And speaking of the spring, March 30th is our first simple seminar of the year. So don't forget to uh, go to the simpleinvestor.com and you'll be able to uh, be able to register for that. But You know, when we take a look at the marketplace and competing offers, one of the things I want people to understand is that we should be focused on looking at um, being approved. Make sure you have all your ducks in a row and make sure no matter what, um, when you come in, only go as much as you're comfortable with. You know, don't get pushed out of your comfort zone. When you go into a multiple offer, you know what you can pay. Do not overpay. And that's one of those things that, you know, I'm going to stay steadfast with. Do not get influenced to overpay for your property. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, I'm going to have our guest join us now. He is president-elect of the Ontario Real Estate Association, and it's Mr. Ray Ferris. And Ray, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Well, thank you very much, Todd. Just for our understanding for everybody. So president-elect means that uh, when do you actually become the uh, president of the Ontario Real Estate Association? on March the 9th at our annual general meeting in Toronto. Excellent. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you, Todd. So, you know, one of the things that, as a realtor in the in the GTA area for years and years and years, when I used to practice real estate, one of the things I recognize is that, you know, we start building a, a client base. And when the clients are are confident with you, they want you to handle all their transactions. And all of a sudden, you know, they decide they want to buy, let's say, a rural property or perhaps a cottage property. And then they want to drag the agent from, you know, that they know in the GTA, all the way out to an area that you know I don't think they have a lot of work knowledge in what what's your take on that because I, I I think definitely in my in my opinion i've told many people no I can't do it, but I'm pretty sure in a marketplace uh, such as yourself uh, you know in in the outer areas that you find a lot of people that try to come in and they they, they try to conduct real estate
2: yeah, it happens quite often Todd and let me let me explain it like this. If I were to move to the Toronto area, even though I'm licensed to trade real estate anywhere in the province of Ontario, even as a realtor, I wouldn't represent myself in the purchase of real estate in Toronto because I don't have a knowledge of the market values, zoning bylaws, particulars about the neighbourhood that I'm interested in. It's the same thing when prospective buyers are moving out of Toronto to cottage country a real estate marketplace that I'm very familiar with because I live and work in cottage country, it's a very specialized knowledge that you need to bring to a real estate transaction in cottage country. There's lots of things that might be unfamiliar to a realtor from the city if they don't have the experience and firsthand knowledge of the issue, such as wells and septic. Right down to things such as proximity to a fire department, which is a question that insurance brokers will ask you when you're trying to arrange insurance on a property that you're purchasing. Other things like whether or not cellular telephone service is available and Internet availability. Things like that that you might not think of and that you take for granted uh, are some examples.
1: So, Ray, you know, a lot of people, as you know, in the Toronto area, um, record year 2015, um, over 100,000 transactions. When we take a look at, and, and, and let's just pick on your area, for instance, out in Port Rowan uh, on, on, let's say, the shores of Lake Erie. Um, did you see the same, uh, you know, increase in sales over the last few years, or has it always been fairly consistent? In 2015,
2: we did see an increase in the number of sales, but nothing as dramatic as Toronto or Vancouver, as an example.
1: If we take a look at, uh, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people are concerned about, offers for, let's say, a cottage property versus a residential home, they do differ. But one of the things that you know, I, I hope that our listeners can understand is the timing for your conditions. Because in, in the Toronto market, somebody will say, you know, conditional on financing, three to five days. Conditional inspection, two days. When you typically look at more your environment, what should condition times actually be? What we see in
2: our marketplace, Todd, is condition dates ranging from seven to 14 days. A lot of our buyer's are not from the area they live outside of the area and therefore they do require a little bit of additional time in order to satisfy conditions because they are coming from a farther distance away in the event that a home inspection is required and the buyer wants to attend we do have to take into consideration the time that it takes the buyer to get here from wherever they're coming from in order to attend the home inspection but seven days is the minimum and 14 really is the maximum that we would see
1: Okay. Now, obviously, um, you know, uh, when you when you are actually working as a real estate broker, um, you'll have clients that are looking at purchasing properties, let's say. Um, when people are looking for, for instance, appraisers, um, you know, most of the time it's the bank doing the financing. But if they are looking, do you, do you normally recommend the local appraisers? Should people be more specific to their general area?
2: Well, what happens is when a buyer requires financing, the bank will in most cases, require an appraisal of the property. And banks have lists of of appraisers, rather, that they have on their list to complete appraisals on the bank's behalf. Sometimes the bank, if it's an out-of-town lender, doesn't have a list of local appraisers. And I always believe that it's best to use a local appraiser who's in the market every day and knows the values of the properties because they're in and out of those properties every day. So oftentimes I will get a telephone call from a lender asking me to provide recommendations for appraisers, and I always list appraisers local to the area.
1: There's lots more that I would uh, love to discuss with you. I hope you can just stay on the line. We're going to be going to a break in a minute. Um, Folks, if you're just joining us now, I've got President-elect of the Ontario Real Estate Association, Ray Ferris, joining us. And we are talking about um, the idea of purchasing in an outer market meaning if you happen to be a gta resident and you're taking a look at a property uh... in cottage country or perhaps a rural property How are you best going to be represented? And, you know, from my own personal experience, one of the things that I try to encourage people is use people local. Despite the fact that you can have a friend or family member that you think, hey, listen, I'd rather my friend, uh, you know, gets the commission, or I'd rather keep it in the family. This does not mean you will get the best representation. And as much as you are being very kind to make sure your friend or family member gets the commission, at the end of the day, you have to worry about the representation, understanding your marketplace, understanding what needs to be in an offer, how to have it negotiated, and also the best understanding of what you are buying. What do you have going for you when you buy in that marketplace? So when we come back, I'm going to uh, have Ray Ferris join us again. We're going to talk more about buying in the outer markets. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now, back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010.
1: And welcome back. So, just before the break, I was talking with President-elect of the Ontario Real Estate Association, Ray Ferris. And we were talking about looking at, let's say, cottage properties or rural properties, vacation properties, things like that. And, you know, who will best represent you as a buyer or for that matter, even as a seller when you're working with these properties. And so far, Ray, you know, we've been able to cover a few things that, of course, we, 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 we know that dealing with a local professional is probably the best approach, is it not?
2: Absolutely.
1: I'm a cottage owner. I've been, I've had a cottage for years and years and years. And when people, when I talk to people about things such as water, you know, they don't understand that if, if you don't have a heated water line or if you don't have, you know, certain things set up, people don't understand that, you know, in cottage country, water has to come out at a certain part of the season. You winterize everything. What, when doing an offer, there's got to be some conditions in the offer for things such as septic and water. Can you take us through a few steps there that people should be aware of?
2: When it comes to water supply, I'm referring to a drilled well or a dug well or perhaps even a sand point. And with these types of water supplies, you're going to need a, pu- a water pump, a pressure tank, and probably even a water treatment device like water softeners, ultraviolet lights, and in some areas, maybe even a deionizer. But what lenders are looking for when people are purchasing property on their own water supply is a certificate of potability. And a certificate of potability is just a statement that the water is drinkable and obviously safe for drinking. Lenders oftentimes won't advance funding for a property unless the water supply is potable and safe for drinking. Notwithstanding the fact that anybody purchasing a property, if they want to drink, the water, is probably going to want to make sure themselves that it is safe for drinking.
1: When you have an actual inspection, do you, do you personally take the water there or do you have an inspector? Like home inspections, we know typically in the Toronto area, you know, somebody shows up, they'll go through a home fairly quickly, you know, two and a half, three hours. Um, is this something that a home inspector does for you when you're buying a property like this?
2: In our particular trading area, the answer is no. However, there are people other professionals that will attend at a property and sample the water on your behalf, or oftentimes the buyer will take the water sample themselves and submit it to an Ontario health lab where the testing can be done for free. I always advise buyers who are buying a property not to accept the sample from the seller or the seller's agent, but rather to go ahead and have a professional take the water sample and, and have it tested on their behalf or attend at the property and do it themselves with the free bottles that are available from Ontario Health Labs, just to make sure that the sample came from the source where it was supposed to come
1: from. I've heard of cases where people will try to clean up the water because maybe they have a problem with the well potability study. It's not as good as it is or, or should be. Um, so in some people's cases where you know, it, it's better to make sure you're getting the actual product that you're having tested, best way to yeah, look at I- it?
2: Absolutely. And, and, you know, I always say to buyers, I don't think anybody would do anything underhanded and take water supply from other than the source. However, let's just make sure that everything is on the up and up. And it's my job when I'm representing you in a purchase to make sure that you're well represented. And I think to be well represented, we should have a third party take the water sample, or we do it ourselves.
1: Yeah, and that, you know, and I think that's excellent advice for our listeners because, again, a lot of people just think that hey, listen, you turn on the tap, it should be coming out of you know, uh, city treated water. And in a lot of the rural areas, of course, you don't have that, and you're dealing with wells. Now, let's let's go to the septic tank aspect of things because I don't know if everybody understands septic tanks. Um, can you kind of give us just a brief overview and what should they be looking for when they're working with these kind of conditions?
2: Well, in my opinion, Todd, it's imperative that a buyer have existing septic systems examined to determine whether or not it is functioning properly. And you can do that by having an inspector visit the property, open the septic tank, examine its construction and how it's actually performing.
1: The basic concept, if I use my example, you know, we have a weeping bed, so you have your grey water that goes through things, and of course you have the holding tank aspect of the septic tank. Yeah. I've heard different theories where some people say, you know, it's always good to pump it out so often. And other, I've heard actually people say, listen, if it's big enough, it's doing its job. You don't have to pump it out for several years. Um, is there kind of a rule of thumb for people to understand the whole septic system so they go, they don't go in totally blind?
2: Well, when I speak to local... Uh, septic inspectors and installers, a rule of thumb appears to be have it pumped every three to five years just to ensure good maintenance.
1: If uh, somebody's buying a property, they can always ask for the records from the sellers to have proof of this. Is that the best course of action?
2: Yes, yeah, so, you, know, you can always ask the seller to produce any documents that they have available for the system. But even if documents are provided, I still think it's prudent that a buyer have an inspector look into the septic system to make sure that it's in good working order currently.
1: So in in a way, though, it doesn't sound like you could have a one-fit-all uh, home inspection on these. So... You could have the physicality inspection, which which most people would be looking at the same as they, a home inspection in their home. But then you should probably have somebody take a look at their obviously their water source as well as their septic source. So normally you should be looking at perhaps three inspectors or, or, or three professionals for this?
2: Yes, absolutely. I mean, you've got the home inspector who investigates the structural, electrical, and mechanical integrity of the dwelling itself. But then the septic system is a very specialized Uh, part of the real estate transaction, which requires a different professional to look into it. And same thing with a water system.
1: We're coming into the spring market soon. Do you see the rural property still doing well? The cottage property still doing well this year? We see some of our markets in, in Ontario and Canada doing exceptionally well. Are we looking for some consistency this year, do you think?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've had a very mild winter. So believe it or not, we're experiencing a lot of activity right now in cottage country. If you look at the number of sales we've experienced in the cottage country area that I service, we've we've already surpassed the number of sales that we had uh, last year at this same time. So cottage country markets are, for a lot of the time, warm weather markets. And because we've had such a mild uh, winter or lack of winter, you could say, (laughs) uh, the markets have been very strong. So I don't see any reason why uh, we won't see this uh, market continue to be strong.
1: Well, Ray, I'd like to thank you for joining us uh, today at Simply Real Estate, and I wish you all the best uh, when you become uh, the president. But folks, uh, we've had uh, Ray Ferris joining us today, and thank you so much.
2: My pleasure, Todd.
1: So that was uh, President-elect Ray Ferris joining us. And, folks, when we come back, we've got more. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010.
1: And welcome back. I once again want to uh, thank President-elect Ray Ferris for joining us. When you talk about real estate, there are so many aspects of real estate and one of the things that because we're kind of so centralized here in Toronto, you know, we think that the the world revolves around us, but there is all sorts of different worlds of real estate out there. As I was saying earlier in the hour, uh, you know, sharing sharing a little bit of my story, getting my, my butt handed to me in a multiple offer and losing out on a, you know, uh, a few buildings there. It's an interesting world out there. And again, it wasn't in the GTA area. It was uh, in one of the outer markets. And then talking to um, President elect Ray Ferris regarding cottage country and what is real estate truly like in all these markets. And I got to tell you, it's not the same. Everybody just simply thinks that, hey, you know, you buy a house in Toronto, you get accustomed to how to do business in Toronto. Well, that's the way the rest of the world should behave. And it doesn't. Um, You know, I can tell you as a cottage owner, Uh, there's so much uh, that is different than my home, let's say here in the GTA, looking at, you know, pulling out the water pump, or, you know, sometimes if the power goes out, your water line freezes, you don't have water for for a week because you have to de-thaw it really slowly. You don't have that problem here in Toronto. And so, again, folks, if you're going to be buying in those outer markets, make sure you use the right professionals. Make sure you use people that are in the local market, have a great understanding. And, you know, Speaking of professionals, one of the things that uh, I like to being able to do is making sure that I can reach out to kind of a network of professionals that, you know, are awesome at giving us information. And of course, one of those pros is Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. He is a mortgage broker. And hey, Dave, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks, Todd. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no problem. So, you know, one of the things that uh, we've got to be aware of, of course, is, you know, where interest rates are tracking right now. The banks are going bankrupt. Um, (laughs) Are we going to see interest rates kind of stay in pat for a little while? Or are we going to see them come backwards because we're coming into the spring?
3: As part of kind of what we talked about a couple of times on on your segment there, I had this kind of weird feeling that I saw a pattern. And that pattern was that uh, there were rates kind of, we saw some incremental increases in October, November, December, and then we started to see them come down before the spring. I don't know if we're right on there yet, but some good news is is that Scotia Bank, who has seemed to be one of the leaders in terms of increasing the rates over the last little while, and everyone else following, recently just reduced their five-year fixed rate and a couple of other of their fixed rates. So to me, that could be a signal. Uh, that we are in now, getting close to that spring market, and the rates are going to come back down again. Again, I'm 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 tooting my own horn here, and this is something I kind of predicted, but and we're not there yet but certainly uh, that that reflection that happened uh, later earlier in the week as far as Scotia reducing the rates certainly gave me some hope for that uh, that prognosis
1: yeah you know it's one of those things Dave that you know for years I've been you know as as being in the real estate industry I've always followed the markets and I and I know typically and it goes against a little bit of, of some theories and it's funny because um, one of my associates you know he turned around and he he made a, a, a declaration to me saying that well when you know demand goes up that means you push your prices you know supply and demand and i said well actually it works reverse with mortgages because everybody knows the spring market cl- is coming they want to get the lion's share they want to be first out and you know if you remember when when mr flaherty jumped up and down on BMO yep. uh, years ago and you know because they were the first guys to drop to below 299 for the five-year post there and all of a sudden everybody goes ballistic then, you know, all of a sudden, everybody started to follow pace. And since you mentioned, you know, Scotia, when they when they stick their necks out like that, that's because they want to get the first part of the lion's share of any marketplace. You got it. So, you know, I agree with it. Look, I, I think that the spring market, I think we're going to see them tighten up a little. And who knows what the Bank of Canada is going to do. I mean, if we do drop down, you know, I always tell people, listen, uh, w- w- variable rates are still in great shape. What kind of numbers are we looking at variable rates today? I mean, you know, you guys are right at the heartbeat of what's going on what's going on right now for variables? What can people get? Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, we're, we're still seeing, I mean, I was just looking last night, I mean, we're still seeing some really good stuff. I mean, I've, I've seen some smaller non-major bank lenders as low as 2.15, 2.25. You still see a lot of the major banks kicking around in the 2.4 to 2.6 range. Uh, but I mean, we're still, I mean, incredibly low. I mean, to be talking in the low twos to mid twos is still, in my opinion, uh, something that's desirable for any customer out there
1: right now. Yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. Now, let's kind of jump into a topic where we've got a lot of people that are going to be coming up for renewal, okay? You know, we look at we look at the marketplace, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, all good years. You know, 2013, we've got people that were taking, you know, two, three, four, five-year terms. And now we're starting to look at things such as, you know, people shopping around for the best mortgage rates. What do you think? Because... When when people start shopping lenders and, and as you know, there's a lot of things they have to consider. Can you kind of give us a breakdown on what people need to talk about?
3: I mean, you know, with renewal, I always kind of think to myself that that's that one time every three, four, or five years that we get to kind of renegotiate and change, you know, things within our mortgage that might fit our life. Um, as far as shopping for the mortgages themselves, I mean, it's a great idea because it's good to get information. And again, it is kind of, you know, I look at it, you know, as, as kind of, we're, you know, as an athlete and looking at it like, hey, this is my time, I'm, free, I'm a free agent. And so now I should be going and talking to some banks or talking to a mortgage professional and having them kind of peruse the market for me to see if there's anything better that's out there. There's certainly some pitfalls and I know there was an article that is making its rounds on the BNN.ca there uh, about how it can be dangerous to shop for your mortgage. It might backfire. You know, it it was a little interesting article and that it kind of was gearing more towards people in collateral mortgages and that's kind of a, a misnomer. I mean, yeah, you know, if you're in a collateral mortgage, you definitely have to just kind of be extra cautious as to the extra fees so, that are there for you so to let's, leave.
1: Let's let's not just assume our listeners know what a collateral mortgage is. Sure, yeah. So let's 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 kind of like back it up. Sure. Explain to our listeners what a collateral mortgage is.
3: Collateral mortgage is actually a mortgage where you're able to borrow more than what the home is worth. Uh, And this is a thing that TD was doing a lot of. They're offering collateral mortgages for 125% of the value of the home. Uh, This can be dangerous because what it means is it means that TD is going to register an amount that's 125% of the value of my home. And I can actually access that money through different facilities at the bank via lines of credits, loans, credit cards, stuff like that. And it's actually all secured against my home. But one of the really dangerous things about that is that simply put, The refinance and renewal kind of rules are that you you really have to stay at that 80% mark or else you're really pigeonholing yourself. If you lend or you borrow, sorry, more than 80% of the value of the home, you have severely restricted your ability to shop that mortgage when it comes up for renewal because you actually owe more than what all the other lenders are going to give you.
1: So let's let's, kind of then do a little bit of a reflection because this sounds a lot like the U.S. market. Yeah. where some of the lenders got themselves into trouble because now it was more of a speculative so it wasn't it wasn't a, a mixed product such as what you're referring to meaning being credit cards being uh, lines of credit and then as you said 80% uh, LTV mortgages um, but again this this puts you know people in a precarious position obviously.
3: I mean, you know, I mean, as a lender, I think it could be a brilliant idea in terms of retaining clients uh, and keeping them with you. I think as a borrower, uh, you know, there's a lot of things against that. You know, uh, that I would kind of look to to kind of stay away from. Uh, you know, I, again, I think it's it's a little predatory in that they're you know they want people to kind of borrow that money and then be tied to them. But, but yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely something to consider. If it's, you know, if it's a good fit for that person's family. But I don't know many situations in which someone like myself would refer them to take a collateral mortgage.
1: Right. So now, again, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Sure. I'm going to put on that hat that, you know, we've got a few doomsayers out there. Market adjusts 20%. And all of a sudden, you're <laughs> your leverage point versus value, you're up at sitting around 160%. And this is where people could turn around and say, listen, forget it. I'm walking away.
3: Yes. Yeah, kind of the old days of giving in your keys to the bank and saying, here, it's your problem now. Uh, you know, so, so yes, I, I mean, it's, it's it, you know, and the one thing for me is it's dangerous from a lending side, which, you know, uh, obviously TD has got a lot smarter people than me running their company and they've decided that this can be profitable for them. Sure. But yeah, I mean, any time that there would be a market uh, decrease in terms of the values of the homes, that's going to put TD in a very precarious spot okay. uh, on all these collaterals.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, Why don't you just hang on for a minute? We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have Dave Butler rejoin us, and we're going to talk more about mortgages. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010.
1: And welcome back. You know, it's interesting. Mortgages. Who do you go with? Should you refinance? Should you take all these opportunities, love some of the ads that are out there, but more importantly, you need to deal with a professional, and just before the break, I was talking what I consider a professional in the industry, Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage, and Dave, thanks for staying on the line. Thank you very much. Everybody wants a deal. You know, as far as I'm concerned, most people are always looking for a deal, but a deal can cost more than the actual deal is worth. Would you agree? Yeah, I can. I
3: mean, there's, there's definitely, there can be some hidden things in there. You know, a lot of people are not uh, understanding that there, there are certain lenders that might be offering these great rates, but they actually don't have what we call a switch facility. And what that means is that they don't have the ability to do the deal as a switch where there's going to be no legal fees. So some of these lenders might have a better rate, but then you find out afterwards, it's going to cost you 1100 bucks to pay a lawyer to move you over to that new lender.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the one thing I think that you know if if we can if you and I together can sit there and, and and let our listeners have an understanding is that when you buy a home, okay, the you know you've got your lawyer's bill, and the lawyer will turn around and most people just think it's the land transfer tax and the lawyer registering the lien on title. So here you go. Now you own the property. So here's your deed. The debt on it is from the mortgage, but. What I don't think people understand is that you have to revisit your lawyer every single time you change your lenders.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, definitely on a refinance uh, when you're changing you know, your mortgage terms and you're re- you know, re- re-evaluating your mortgage. There's definitely a lawyer that's going to need to be involved, however on renewals, and this is something a lot of people don't know, so we'll be giving out some good info here, is that on a renewal, if you are not changing the mortgage balance, you're not changing the amortization, you just want to shop and move your mortgage to a better lender, or a lender that has a better rate, there's a lot of these lenders have what's called a switch facility, which means there is no lawyer. It's all done in-house, and they're able to do this only because the terms of the mortgage, in terms of the, sorry, the balance, and everything else, the amortization is staying the same. So that allows this switch facility to kick in where there is no legal fees. But aside from that, there's always going to be some form of legal fees on a refinance. You're absolutely right.
1: Right. And so also, I think um, a lot of times, lenders do not include in the cost of the appraisal either. So they will turn around. I know some lenders do, but other lenders say, okay, you've got to pay for the cost of the appraisal.
3: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because it just seems so far gone to me. But, you know, we at Butler Mortgage, we instituted a rule many years ago that we said, look, you know, at the end of the day, I don't want my clients paying for appraisals. Uh, I think it's a cost, you know, sometimes that the major banks will take on for their clients. And I think obviously as a broker, we have to match that type of level of, uh, of package that's being offered. So for, for all these years now, uh, we, we, of course, have covered all of our clients' appraisal costs. Now, that's not to say every broker does that. It's just something that we elected to do to keep ourselves on par. Uh, but I mean, certainly, when you are shopping for your mortgage, that's one of the things that you would want to bring up to the broker or the bank, is who is covering that cost of the appraisal. I think you'll find that if you shop enough, you will find someone that will be willing to cover that type of a cost.
1: Yeah, and and again, it's not as much as as let's say you know some people think, but it's enough to say, okay, listen, you know, we're shifting because of this rate, but now it's going to cost me three hundred fifty dollars for an appraisal. It's going to cost me a thousand dollars for the lawyer, and you know that thirteen fifty. If you work that backwards, did you make that much of a savings?
3: That's it. And you know, that, that should be something that your bank or your mortgage broker is actually doing for you. There should be a side-by-side comparison at all times on a renewal. You know, and again, no different than an athlete coming up for free agency. His, his agent who works and does the negotiations for him is going to show him side-by-side a bunch of different comparisons of the teams that want his services. And that we just want to do the same thing. We want to be able to confirm and look side-by-side and have the client choose the right one.
1: So, Dave, here we are. You know what? We're, we're almost at the start of March. March market's been strong. I think you could probably attest that. You know, February has been a really good market. Um, what do you think? Where where are we going for the rest of the year? We
3: got a good 2016 coming up. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. Everything that I've seen, I mean, January in my you know, as far as Butler Mortgage is concerned, January was a record January for us uh, over the last ten years. February was certainly high high volume, high activity. So it definitely uh, you know leads me to believe that we're in for a pretty hot spring and summer market. One of the other things is that I'm also I'm continuing to hear that there's these bidding wars going on, and you know, as as you know, Todd, when you hear bidding wars, that's usually a sign that the market is still in. A a very hot, you know, hot kind of situation. Uh, you know, when you start to hear that the bidding wars are leaving, I think that's when we can start to reevaluate and decide if the market's still where it's at. But yes, with the bidding wars, with the rates start looking like they're going to be moving down, and with the activity that we've had at the beginning of the year, I think all signs are definitely pointing to 2016 being very active.
1: Yeah, and I think I think you know, and it's kind of funny. I'll 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 play the weather card here, but I think the weather has helped us as well. <laughs> you know, I have never seen more open house signs out in any winter, you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of realtors and I'd say mortgage brokers have always been, you know, hibernating right around the month of January. Um, th- that wasn't the case this year. You know, everybody, you know, there was no snow, didn't have to worry about it. So normally, if the realtors are busy, then the mortgage brokers are going to be busy.
3: You know, uh, the reason I laughed is because that's actually a theory that I've been floating around. Uh, in that, you know, we had two really rough winters there, and I think we saw that in those winters, the Januarys and the Februarys and the Marches were probably not up to par compared to previous years, but you're right, we've had rel- a relatively light winter out here on the east coast and uh, I think that I'm 100% agree with you and I've been calling that, I think that because the weather's not so bad, there are more and more people willing to go and shop, I think when you're minus 30 every day and you've got 20 centimeters of snow it definitely, you know, makes the realtors and the clients maybe want to push that off for another day.
1: So. Well, it's, de- it's definitely the realtors pushing it <laughs> off because they're <laughs> saying to their clients, there's no way I'm going out in stuff i'll tell you what i'll call you when it clears up
3: absolutely
1: yeah anyways dave listen thanks so much for joining us here at simply real estate as usual very factual great information everybody dave butler from butler mortgage thanks so much my pleasure thanks todd I hate to say that people are fair weather, but when it comes out to going out in minus 30 and, and, you know, taking your boots on and off, going in and out of houses, listen, a lot of people don't even want to put their houses on the market for sale. But interesting comment by Dave, you know, when we talk about multiple offers, we are seeing them, and we saw them throughout the year in the GTA last year, and I think we're going to continue to see them, and it's all always has to do with supply and demand. Now, again, everybody's picking on the BC market, more or less Vancouver. You know, they're starting to really jump up and down on assignment offers. You know, everybody wants to sit there and get their two cents in. And of course, with so many different stories coming out of Vancouver, it's the foreign buyers. It's not. It's the assignment clauses. It's this. It's that. It's this. It's that. But yet, you know what, year over year, another 10% increase throughout the start of the year. So what is it? What is making Vancouver one of the hottest markets in the world? Well, if I break it down, I can keep it simple for you. And the simple analysis is no supply, solid demand. Now, don't forget, our Canadian dollars also... You know, when it's, when it's as low as it is, it attracts foreign buyers. And there's nothing wrong with foreign ownership coming in. They are paying the prices. And for you and I, it's helping bring our values up. As long as they are sustaining any debt they come in with, that is one of the most important things. Now, speaking of debt, when we talk about investment real estate, you want a property to take care of the debt. Coming up Wednesday, March the 30th at 7 p.m. We have our first Simple Seminar of the year. And you know what? It has been touted as one of the best informative uh, real estate seminars, I guess, ever. But one of the things that people have made a lot of comments about is they don't feel any pressure. Leave your credit card at home. You don't have any problems. Go to the simpleinvestor.com today to register, and you'll find out more about the seminar, more about what we do, and most importantly... We've got some new developments that are coming up in the spring. If you want to become an investor, I can tell you we've got a new launch that's going to be coming out in 60 days. And if you want to get on the list, then by all means, go to thesimpleinvestor.com. And we'll put you on the list because we've got some great things happening this spring and summer. It's going to be a great year to be a real estate investor. Uh, You know, interest rates are helping, but when you come to the seminar, we're going to help you break down an understanding of A, um, what you should be looking for in investment property, who should be your best tenant, how to do the financing, what you should be looking at long-term. And by the the way, if you've tuned into the show over the last few years, you know for a fact, I'm always a long-term believer of hold. Hold the property. Let your tenant pay off your debt. It's the most incredible thing when you look at the end of each year saying, my mortgage is getting smaller, my mortgage is getting smaller, and it's because of your tenant. Now, of course, if you buy the wrong property and your tenant's not paying you, then there's a problem. So come and see us. At the Simple Seminar, March 30th, 7 p.m., go to the thesimpleinvestor.com to register so you can get more information about investment real estate. So, listen, we've got a great uh, week coming up. Um, you know what? what they, uh, next week at 4 p.m., of course, right here on News Talk 1010 at Simply Real Estate, we're going to be talking to a home inspector. We're going to talk more about home inspections because coming up into the spring market this is when everybody is thinking of buying and what should you know about your home inspector what should you know about your home inspection is there a list is there the the holy grail of your inspection should you be looking for certain things and how much is it going to cost to fix you know that's one of the things that people have to be aware of You can sit there and say, yeah, I can deal with it later. I can deal with it later. But you need to know what things cost, folks, because you may be paying one price for the house, but you're paying a lot more to repair it. So for all of us here at Simply Real Estate, I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. Remember, tune in next Saturday, 4 p.m. right here at News Talk 1010. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.